All right, Chris. So since I somehow struggled through the five of fives that we did last week, I wanted to come back and right off the bat, I wanted to put you through the ringer and see how you do with the five of fives and even upping the ante a little bit. Uh, so we're going to go over some new ground rules. That oh, we're gonna no. Sounds like a vendetta if you, if you, if you take it from me, I, you know, but all right, let's do it. <laughs> oh no, this is, this is extremely personal. Um, <laughs> so first of all, we're going to time this and I mean, what do you, th- what do you think is fair? Minute, minute and a half. You know, you know what, you know, I extended you olive branches, you know, and that's fine. I'll do it raw dog. How are you going to do it to me right now? Let's do this, baby. I don't care. You right. want to give me a, you want to give me a minute, just a minute. That's all good with me. No minute 30, baby. Okay, we're going to go we're going to go for a minute. For all each right, one there of we these. go. All right, and it's I'm going to give you I'm going to narrow it down a bit because yours was all over the place. Um mine is going well, to be It's meant to be all over the place. <laughs> I had this and I and for you to say it's all over the place, I had it specifically designed. I had the categories worked out. If you didn't find the theme, I'll explain it to you. Uh, off air but it's just you know i follow i followed an algorithm i even made a list of more questions that followed said algorithm okay okay we'll talk about this later then okay so but bring it on give me your chaos give me give me it this is going to be the pop culture edition of 505 i'm so fucked oh Uh, yeah you are i'm so i'm so doomed but bring it on all right so i don't know if this first one's going to be the easiest one or not but i'm I'm upping the ante with every question, so oh, I'm no. going to put a minute on the clock. And the first topic of Five of Fives is you need to list five songs from the movie Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, starting now. Uh, uh, hooked on a feeling. Yep. You've got um, come and get your love. <clears throat> yep. Um, Escape, or also known as the Pina Colada song. Oh, yes, you are right. Um, uh, shoot. I know these songs by heart, really. I do. Uh, Cherry Bomb. And yep. then, uh, uh, not ABC. It's another Michael Jackson song I can't think of right now. Oh, I mean, uh, how, uh, there's a Marvin Gaye, uh, uh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Oh man, thirty six seconds. I, I went nice. for the, I went for the Marvin. Uh, it's not Marvin Gaye. No, it is Marvin Gaye. Yeah, it is Marvin Gaye. Yeah, I went for that. Right, oh, there's also. I'm gonna keep on going here. There's also the. Uh... No, I'm gonna just gonna stop. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about the extra credit. You're fine. Man, all right. So, category fold around and fold around and fell in love. <laughs> sure. I already closed the list, so oh, time man. over. All right, what you got next? All right, so the next category is I need you to list five Disney movies with no sequel, starting now. Oh, Atlantis had her sequel. Uh, Mulan had a sequel. All right, we talking about movie release sequels? Yeah, we're talking about strictly movies. Uh, okay. Um, wait, can I get retimed on that? Because nope. No, okay. we're in fifteen seconds. Uh, Black Cauldron. Okay. Uh, Pinocchio. Correct. No, Pinocchio had, I think it had a sequel. Fuck me. Uh, I'm so sorry I'm swearing so much. This is having an under pressure. Uh, uh, all I got is Black Culture. 30 seconds. Treasure Planet. Yes. Brother Bear? That's two. 
Nope. Brother Mary, I like three. Okay. Oh, okay. Hold on. Oh, 15 man. seconds. You've got two so Mulan? far. Mulan? Okay, Mulan. No, and, Mulan had sequels. Oh, God. Uh, uh, I gotta go for the old uh, Sleeping Beauty and and uh, Song of the South. <laughs> okay, that's only four and time is up. I, didn't you want four? I wanted... This is five of fives, Chris. Oh, shoot. All right. You got one and you lost one. We're gonna put a big... <laughs> Big old X. Next I, I, to that. You know, I, I was I was screwed from the beginning here. I had you to were. like ground rules. Oh man! Well, all right. Well, this Except, next one, we're going to we're going to go a little bit more niche with this. All right, bring it on. I was going to ace that anyways. Bring it. All right. So I need you to name five movies that Dustin Hoffman has starred in, starting now. Wow. Yeah. I wanted to make it a little harder. You better keep talking here. Dustin Hoffman, Oscar-winning actor, 82 years old. I don't watch a lot of Dustin Hoffman movies. Well, you better start guessing. You got uh, 40 seconds. I don't know. Was he in, uh, uh, no, uh, was he in, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, Dustin Hoffman. I know there's one recent he did, and I can't think of it. And I know we've seen it somewhere. Ah, dang it. That's the only thing that's coming in through my head is that movie. I just can't. Ah, dang it. All right, well, here's a hint. Tom Cruise. That, you know, you know, you know. Eight seconds. I take back that olive branch. You know what? I'm going to grind that olive branch into some oil, and I'm going to burn it. And I'm not even going to cook something nice on it. Not a nice, not a nice veal, not a nice steak. I'm going to cook some disgusting, disgusting food on it. I'm just going to do plain-ass eggs on it. How about that, John? Just eggs. But not like, not scrambled eggs. Not, not like, not like, not like over a medium. I'm going to do sunny side up eggs. I love sunny side up eggs, but I know people disgust it. So um, that's what I'm going to do with that olive branch. All right. What's the next one? I know I failed this. No, I just want to, I want to rub it in a little bit more because you're going to know these. So the first hint with Tom Cruise, Rain Man. Never seen it. Wow. Uh, The Graduate. Nope. Hook. Uh, Also, no. Meet the Fockers. Ah, he was in Kung Fu Panda. Oh, I would have even I would have even accepted the sequel, uh, Little Fockers. You would have accepted all of the Kung Fu Kung Fu Pandas then. All three of the Kung Fu Pandas. Ah, well, there you go. Well, I'm sorry. Shows you how much how it shows you how much I care about Dustin Hoffman. That's fair. He is. I'm so sorry, Shifu. (laughs) <laughs> okay next one because i we're love two down. i love i love kung fu panda but go on that's fine uh so you you've missed two you okay. can't miss any more all right i'm gonna scale back the difficulty with this one a little bit okay try and extend you somewhat of an olive branch uh-huh oh, sure I sh- i'm sure there are thorns on this branch it is a rose bush you were throwing at me no you're exactly right i need you to name <laughs> one starter and I'm talking about the first level, no evolution uh, forms of these of these Pokemon. I need you to name one starter Pokemon from five different generations, starting 
now. Okay, you've got Charmander. You've okay. got uh, Cyndaquil. You've okay. got uh, what was the third? Uh, uh, Torchic. Yes. You've got um, Tepig. You have Tepig. Yep. Okay. Te- yep. That's four. Tepig is one of the stars, and then you have. Oh no! Ah, oh, dang it! Where do I go here? You've got thirty-five seconds to get one more. We're on Gen Five, right? No, we're on. You- I said Tepig. Oh, um, the monkey. Uh, is it first uh, Monferno? Monferno. Let's see. No, but I need the Monferno. I need the little I need the smaller version of it. Oh, how about this Piplup? Piplup. Yep. That's five. That's five. You got five with 12 seconds to go. You know what? Um, I I was trying to do all fire Pokemon, because that's usually what I rock, but I totally forgot the, um, I've totally forgot what the, uh, what the starter evolution for, uh, generation four was. And I love, I love the, the end result with, uh, Infernape and Monferno. I just can't. can't Uh, Chimchar. Chimchar. There we go literally never heard of that one before in my life great pokemon i skipped a few generations yeah you did anyways all right which what else you got for me the last category of five of five pop culture edition is i need you to name five movies with a color in the title starting now uh deep blue okay Uh, wait deep blue in, or into the into the blue into the blue okay that's what it is into the blue um it can be the same color uh it's still trying to think uh just oh not zero, zero dark no i i'm just, tell me when i hit 30 seconds 30 seconds <laughs> Come on, Chris, you know this. Think Sean Connery. No. <laughs> Doctor No. No. Uh uh. uh no. Family what, Guy what? Made... You just Fam- re- Oh, Blue Harvest? Okay, that's another one. Uh, you got five seconds. There's no way. No. Time. Hunt for Red October is what I was going for. Oh, God, you have to say Sean Connery. Say Submarines. Yeah. I don't want to associate Sean Connery. Well, I mean, he's iconic in that movie, but it's just... You said Sean Connery, and I meant immediately to James Bond, and I was like, what? Nope. Nope. I'm sorry, Chris, but you have deemed yourself as an uncultured swine. Revenge is sweet. Revenge is sweet. Revenge, Revenge is... Is you tipped the scales here, sir? I did. I, you did, and you did pop culture. You did not diversify. You did movies, and and Pokemon, which I'll crush Pokemon every day. But man, you got you got me. You, nothing like you know. Tell me about uh, tell me about handbags or something. I don't know. Not that I <laughs> know those answers, but brands. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Diversify. Uh, I ask you geography questions. You know. I try to make it easier for you, man. But you asked me five movies that <laughs> that didn't. No. Dustin Hoffman in them. Dustin Hoffman is a world-renowned actor, and you couldn't name one movie he was in. That's true. That's fine, Chris. That's fine. And you know what? Welcome to the Sum It Up podcast. 
This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I am joined by my good friend, John, and I am Chris, and we are your co-hosts for the day. John, how are you doing? I'm probably pretty better than you right now. I'm no, sorry, it's Chris. all good. It's all, all good. Right. No hard feelings? I, I had a list for next week. I'm going to make it incredibly harder. Or you know what? Actually, I'm not. I'm going to leave it unaltered and see if you can get past my very well-balanced list. Okay, fair enough. You know, a little, little back and forth here. You know, you know we'll, we'll see. At the, end of, at the end of the day, you might learn a thing or two. At the end of the day, I'm just going to say it's unfair. That's fine. That's how it goes. No, so that is how that is how usually it goes. Anyways, we got a couple stories going on uh, for this week. Pretty interesting stuff. And uh, yeah, how would you take it away for the first one? Because I saw this uh, headline and I was like, "Ooh, that's cool." Yeah, no, I appreciate you you send this to me. I love I love this this idea here. So Amazon is thinking about potentially buying out the AMC theater movie chain. Um, or movie theater chain, sorry. So, yeah. obviously, AMC is going through a bit of a rough patch. Um, initially, they were struggling before all this pandemic stuff hit. And then, uh, since movie theaters have all had to shut down, obviously, that's even more of a financial burden. But they've gotten into it recently with Universal. And they're not going to be showing any more Universal films because uh, that studio has decided to put more of an emphasis on uh, the like the streaming um, services more of like an at-home release. Um, they want to make their movies more accessible uh, to people in their homes where it's comfortable. Uh, they don't necessarily put as much of a of a of an emphasis on the theater releases as they have in the past. Um, I mean, I think I think the market's changed a bit. I understand why they they feel the need to evolve a little bit. Um, I do think AMC was being a bit. Uh, brash with their decision to completely shut off Universal Films from their their theaters. Um, so if if Amazon does potentially buy out this l- enormous uh, string of movie theaters, it could be an opportunity for them to start producing uh, Oscar nominations, just like Netflix did when they they bought out a couple small theaters in LA, basically just to meet the minimum uh, requirements for. Uh, an Oscar submission. Mm. Now, Amazon has also tried this before. They they wanted to buy out uh, the landmark theaters, but they lost to this other uh, conglomerate, this Cohen Media Group. But with AMC being such a large chain, I mean, it's probably arguably arguably the largest worldwide uh, movie theater chain. It is. Um, how do you see them incorporating these theaters into uh, their streaming service? Do you think that this might lead to them prioritizing only like the high level blockbuster, like MCU, DC films, um, and their own productions that they can uh, advertise themselves. Or do you, and do you potentially see this um, with them leaving out um, like smaller theater or sorry, smaller movies like indie films or things that don't necessarily have the same weight as like a major blockbuster? Or do you think they're even going to make any changes at all? I mean, when I when I first saw this, the first thing I thought of was, you know, just the story in general about how it evolved. I thought AMC only had one choice, which was to come out against Universal as harshly as they did. So I thought that was the only move they had. However, 
AMC is in no position to make that kind of threat, given we've talked about the economic crisis before the pandemic. And I think Amazon is actually the perfect buyer to fix AMC, uh, generally because I look at the example with Whole Foods. You know, um, they've changed that chain. It's a lot easier. It's a, it's a lot cheaper to buy things at, at Whole Foods now because of what Amazon has done. I'm not saying the product is better by any means. I haven't shopped at a Whole Foods in a long time. I mean, my mother goes there and she's like, oh, all this fruit and stuff for how cheap it was. She's telling me how cheap it was. I'm like, you know, that's the equivalent of going to like a, a public supermarket or a Kroger or whatever that is to you. And so I see that as a major win um, for Amazon and taking over AMC they're I don't see them distancing themselves from from indie films or anything along those lines in fact I see I see Amazon well actually now that I'm thinking about it Amazon could push them aside to premiere their own movies from the service on, onto the big screen but they're gonna do a lot of financial rework because you know it uh, think about it John a movie theater kind of runs like a gas station a little bit, you know, where ticket prices are ticket prices everywhere. But when you go to the, but you're getting price gouged on things like food and it's ridiculous. It's the same thing. If you go into a gas station, they, their main sellers like, Oh, food items and like antifreeze or a lot. I mean, they don't really get anything from lotto tickets, but they've got cigarettes and all that other stuff. You know, it's the, it's the quick stop. So, you know, I would really like to see the, I would really like, as much as people hate Amazon to have this hold on movie theater chains, the market does need to change. And whether that means like places like Cinemark uh, or Regal suddenly need to be bought out by other chains like Disney or maybe even Netflix, um, it's really sad. But at the same time, nothing has changed for movies, movie theaters. They haven't. They haven't, they haven't propelled, they have not made their contribution to making movies better, if that makes sense. You mm -hmm. know, the theater experience, number one, you know, everyone can't not be on their phone. I've heard of horror stories of people on their phone all the time while, like, the movies go on. I haven't had that much issue, but, like, there's, it's just the theater experience has kind of gone away, you know? Everyone's just like, oh, I'm going to go to the theater. It's no longer that spectacle and awe. It's not like, hey, we're going to go to the movies. You know, you don't bring friends as much. You know, it's just a different thing. And I, I think it's because the price of going, you know, between two people, you could spend like 30 bucks, 40 bucks. It's ridiculous. You know, what's what's wrong with spending 20 bucks between you and one person at your home? to watch one movie and you can invite friends over too so four people can go over to someone's house watch a movie for 20 bucks and they can eat popcorn for like you know a dollar less than that because of how much they come per pack so you know i see amazon probably thinking outside the box in this case to fix the movie the movie theater industry and i hope so too yeah and i mean i think that like the, well, like what you mentioned they did with Whole Foods, I think that they as a company uh, choose to push innovation more and they allow, um, they have the financial stability to allow that to happen and they can take risks and try new things with their uh, with their products and with their companies. Um, 
or the branches inside the, the company of Amazon. And I think that if they do buy them out, they will um, probably make a fair amount of positive changes. I do think that they would um, not allow the same opportunities for smaller films that aren't as financially um, uh, viable for them, that they might that if they if they, basically if they if it comes down between an Amazon film that they don't have to really market and lose a lot of money in that, or um, a small indie film uh, starring the next up and coming like Chris Pratt or someone, um, I think they're going to go with their own option to save money, and I think it's going to be strictly a financial decision. But even if that were to happen, and I I do think that theaters the theater experience as a whole should be pushed more towards big event films that require that um, enveloping kind of experience where it's it's you injected into the sound, into the feel and the, the visual experience of being in a theater. Um, I think that with streaming, it allows smaller films to, one, save money on... Um, just basically if Netflix buys out or if Amazon uh, Prime buys out a film from a from a, a director or a producing company and allows it to be sc- uh, shown on that, it's got a cheaper experience for the production of the film as a whole. And it allows... I Basically, I think that films themselves are going to start falling into different categories based on the options that they're given. So big, like I said, like bigger event films will go to the theaters and and have that kind of experience there and i think that smaller films that don't necessarily require a theatrical experience will go to these streaming services and smaller like smaller scale opportunities sort of parasite um, yeah yeah like films that i think are more of like an intimate experience between film and an audience uh, that don't need to have like this giant surround sound experience to enjoy properly um, I think those those will probably start to go towards these smaller at home, straight to streaming kind of opportunities, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. And I think if you have smaller theaters that are willing to invest in those films to give it that experience, I think it can be done on a smaller scale. But financially, at least, I think that these chains are going to need to adapt and make themselves a little bit more f- financially viable. Um, Granted, like all the ticket sales goes back to the movies. They don't really get to keep any of that, and all the food is what pays for uh, the salary and the, the the pay for the workers there. That's really mm-hmm. where they make their money for the theaters. Um, so I mean, like I get why the prices have gone up, um, but I don't necessarily feel like it's every film is justified being in a theater. I think that some are made for it, and some don't have to be, and I think that's fine. Well. As you were talking, uh, there were some points. Some points I thought of um, while you're mentioning about like bringing back the theater, bringing the theater experience for the blockbuster, the blockbuster movies. And I gotta say, the AMC probably dug themselves in the stupid hole, anyways. Because I want you to think about if anyone's listening to this, think about your local AMC. Now think about the nearest AMC to that, John. In Chattanooga. There is an AMC right next to the mall. It's a small theater, and it looks really nice on the outside. And when you get inside, when you go to the concessions, it's also nice, and there's a bar right there. When you go into the theater itself, the theater itself is 1990s. Yeah. Likewise, there is another AMC theater, probably 
what five ten minutes away if that. um if that uh on the highway and it's massive huge huge theater complex and it's disgusting inside um it's really big it kind of reminds me of a early 2000s ronald mcdonald playhouse um <laughs> just like the the color scheme of it the the tile and just it you know when i left i watched jojo rabbit at the theater because it was the only theater showing it and it was like i left at like maybe twelve thirty. And there's no one there. No one's cleaning up. Obviously, it's 1230 at night. But like, like I could do whatever I want in this building. There's just no, there's no, there's no, there were the lights in the hallway were even off. Where it's just like, it felt like the building was haunted. And it's just like, that's the, the crap presentation that ANC is showing. So I really hope that the Blockbuster experience, if Amazon were to take it over, and I kind of hope they do would take shape but the other point that i wanted to bring up was what i was thinking about is that these streaming services have an opportunity to do something great for production companies and that's do a movie pass oh no hold on i know it sounds insane but you have your amazon prime how much is amazon prime john because i don't have it or the amazon the to watch it. it's like what if you have amazon prime it's 70 bucks a year yeah, something like and then that. You're, and you're able to watch Amazon shows? Yeah. So if I said, hey, for an extra $40 for your yearly total, or say this, an extra $50 or whatever, some crazy package, you can watch Universal, Paramount, um, you know, WB movies, like, on release. You don't have to pay anything. You get... You get to when you want to activate it, you get it for three days. You can watch the movie as much as you want for three days, and that's it. You know when it comes on release. I mean, I, I think if any studio or or but that's in a, that's the innovation I'm I'm talking about. Like you know that's the kind of thing that the theater experience they already have. Like you know this, they have AMC cards and all this other stuff. But yeah. the movie club, not not your average casual person. Joe Schmo is thinking about this. No, and I, I do think I do agree that if anyone was going to be able to financially support that, it would be Amazon. And so, if they were to buy out AMC, then they could potentially have something like that because they have their own streaming service already set up. That they have a way to release it. It would push people to Amazon Prime, which then they would buy buy things through that and continue that stream of revenue. Um, it the only the only thing I think that might hold them back is that it might it would probably keep people from actually going to the theater to where they would make more money. Um, Cause I can't imagine that if you use that enough, it would be financially viable to just stay at home and watch movies like that for the, for the company. Um, for they, the, for the production companies. Yeah. But they would somehow have to still be able to push people into the theaters for some other kind of experience, like maybe for the big event films, they had other perks that they worked into it that you didn't have, or maybe they delayed the big releases by a week and had the smaller releases go straight to Amazon Prime um, just to drive people to the theater still for those larger events that would make a billion, $800,000, something like that. Yeah, but I bring up my point about the the two AMCs in Chattanooga, which I know there are three, 
but I can I've only been to the two. Is that why do you have why do you have two theaters when one of them is huge, the other one is really really nice but small. It's like it doesn't it doesn't make much sense to me, and I can't imagine what it is in other bigger cities to have these multiple theaters that are not that far apart. It just makes me think, John, that AMC made a lot of stupid decisions, perhaps. Yeah. Um, real estate wise and how many theaters they have or something like that. And it's just, I don't know. That's what, that's what my mind goes is that there needs to be a huge chain change to that, to that, uh, theater chain. And I think you would agree too. I do. I do. And I think when you, in in any industry or any business, when you have multiple locations within a a certain proximity, you're going to cannibalize on your own sales. Like, Think of Starbucks. There's a Starbucks on almost every corner nowadays, or a McDonald's. And if we were to remove, like, every other McDonald's or Starbucks, then the ones that are left would almost double in sales because there's it's supply and demand. When you have too many people supplying the thing, there's not as much demand for each location, so sales go down. But you, but the weird thing is that people still go to Starbucks for their coffee. Like, if there's a Starbucks nearby and it's the morning, I will get coffee. It's just, that's how, that's the natural law of things, John. Um, and I know it's a natural law for other people too, but that's the weird thing is that for movies, the industry, this is what, ha- what happened to Blockbuster. Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore because of Netflix. Yeah. Well, technically exists. There's one store left. But besides the point, like, see that. Like, there is an evolution here. And where retail is still retail, we lost the big ones. We lost Sears. Sears is gone, you know? Those stores are starting to go extinct. You know, your JCPenney's uh, and whatnot. You know, it's just, for movie and film, I'm waiting for the theaters to make that leap or be, somehow become more efficient. Because me paying $15 or $12, whatever, let's be more reasonable, for a popcorn and a soda on top of my $10 ticket, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a little stupid, you know, I'm going to pay 25 bucks. I'd rather just go to a nice place to go get a meal. And I'll tip on top of that, too. I'd rather have the 30 buck meal than, like, pay for this terrible food and drink. It just, the mute and being a disgusting theater. There are these theaters that have really nice seats. And I haven't been in an AMC that has, like, the nice uh, reclining chairs. And maybe there are some theaters that have it. But, you know, the movie industry kind of has to upgrade. Yeah, absolutely. The theater, I, the theater industry has to upgrade. And I, I think that it, for the amount of time that's gone by, there has not been a equal amount of evolution for that industry. Because like when movies first came out, theaters were a were a major experience and a major event in your day. And it was it was this thing where you got together with your family, like you knew it was going to be it was a serious event. You went there, you experienced something as a community with these people around you, and you left feeling better. And having been like vastly more entertained than in than you would in your everyday life, but as time has gone on and, and as movies have become more accessible, the the um this the uniqueness of the theatrical experience has gone down, and so there's not this demand for a like a massive entertainment experience in a theater when for most people sitting at home watching their TV or seeing a movie on their own TV is good enough. Like there's not as many cinephiles out there pushing and um, uh, making enough of a difference to support these major movie experiences 
for every single movie that comes out. Or people will say, I'll just go red box it in a few months. (laughs) That's the audience. Like that's the audience you're missing. The casuals are just not going to the movies. Yeah. And I do think that if Amazon does buy out AMC, I'm sure that they will have realized that and will start to make changes to go and cater towards that type of audience. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's go to our next story. Yeah, speaking of catering to specific audiences, why don't you go ahead? All right. This is uh, this week we got a taste of the Unreal Engine on PlayStation 5, the new Unreal 5 engine on PlayStation 5. It was a tech demo. And also, I added this at the end, Ghost of Tsushima also uh, got a more in-depth idea of gameplay released on Thursday. And boy... What a game. Really cool. Really excited for that. That's for me. That's for everyone else. Go please check out the video for Ghost of Tsushima and check out, check out the tech demo for the Unreal 5 engine. And so the Unreal 5 engine is developed by Epic Games. And it was unveiled on Wednesday and it was running on a PlayStation 5 and it looked gorgeous. And the, how they do it is not with just normal pixels. They do it with triangles. And it was pretty cool in the video um have you seen it john yeah i watched the first i think like half of the of the demo video that's been circulating yeah and so they it's revolutionary for not only like visually but also for animation or in the engine you can make everything i'm not i don't know much about animation except that what this is going to reduce the process by almost half yeah, basically what it what it's done is that it's taking the pressure off of animators to go in and hand craft everything about the game or about the anything that they're working on on the computer every single time. Yeah, so it allows the computer to kind of take over and within certain parameters the computer and the AR system can can craft the experience and the, the game itself to where the animators and the the people behind the game are allowed to go and focus their energy and time on other things um, like story. Uh, They can put more money into um, like the mocap of characters to make Mm -hmm. it more realistic. It's definitely, I mean, it's, it's super interesting to see this evolve. Yeah. And, and with the evolution of it, they were saying like, if you scan a piece of landscape, you know, you will, we will be able to render that on the engine. And so that goes back to, uh, this I thought it goes back to the Mandalorian set and how uh, they they shot it on that really crazy rig that was rendering landscapes within minutes that they were trying to shoot on. And so we're seeing that kind of crossover between the new uh, rig that mm-hmm. Disney has in filming and also in games where you can just take a very you could take snapshots of landscapes that you want to film in or that you want to render in this uh, engine and it will. So that's fascinating to me. And we have a quote over here by uh, Epic Games CEO, Tim Sweeney, while the presentation was going on. We've been working super close with Sony for quite a long time on storage. The storage architecture of the PS5 is far ahead of anything you can buy on anything on PC for any amount of money right now. It's going to help drive the future PCs. The PC market is going to see this thing ship and say, oh, wow, SSDs are going to need to catch up with this. And that quote, end quote, and that quote is important because normally when it comes to gaming, PCs are just ahead. 
all the time. And yes, by the time that this is going to come out, the the next generation of consoles between the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5, you will have these, you know, you'll have new graphics cards that will outpace them by just a little bit. You'll have the SSDs and the new uh, the new processors to keep up. But what the big thing here is storage. And who knows how long it'll be because I what what it's come down to with the announcements between Xbox and PlayStation 5 is that um, PlayStation has developed a really great and balanced hard drive that even though Xbox also has a another solid-state hard drive, the one that PlayStation developed is kind of, you know, it's new territory for the storage market. So they're pushing the boundaries, and it's really great to see you know, these things be instantaneous. And with the tech demo of the Unreal 5 engine, it was that looked beautiful, stunning. You could hear sound design in it too. The the demo that they had was actually playable at uh GDC, but uh GDC didn't happen because of coronavirus, so no one was able to get their hands on. But it was gonna be playable and that's kind of insane when you talk about what Xbox and PlayStation have been doing since then. But it goes with all of this. Developers were impressed. Gamers were impressed. This was all coming out on Twitter, and multiple game sites were writing about it. And I just wanted to bring up quickly that uh, an interesting thing that I saw is that you know Xbox responded because it was on a PlayStation Five, and Epic Games kept on raving about the PlayStation, how well balanced the machine is, and Xbox. Uh, Phil Spencer basically tweeted out like, oh man, this looks amazing, you know, and we'll be able to see this on on Xbox as well, basically. That's yeah, not the, verbatim. Yeah, the, the world's best gaming system is, I think, what he said. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, so th- it's pretty insane that um, Xbox kind of had to be like, yeah, and you could see it also on Xbox Series X to that degree. But it's weird that Epic Games, uh, who also made Fortnite, the Epic Games company is not really playing both sides. They're kind of sticking, like, they, it doesn't make sense. Like, we know that they also want the engine used on Xbox. Xbox has uh, also versions of the Unreal Engine 5 running for some of its games. It's going to happen. But it's just weird to see Epic Games not be like, also, you'll be able to see this on Xbox too. But it was just a big, it was just a, a rave for PlayStation support by Tim Sweeney, which I found very odd. Yeah, and and that was, I mean, I think it was specifically for that event for PlayStation that they hyped everything up. Um, but like Xbox, I was I was reading a little bit about this too, and Xbox has also said, and I don't know if it's just in retaliation or if it's if it's actually real too, but they've said that they've been working with Epic Games uh, on other projects of theirs. Basically, just nothing else is ready yet. And then I believe someone from. Uh, I think it was Tim Sweeney had said like we had been working with them on this project, but I they're trying I think hard not to uh, seem like they're picking a side necessarily, and I'm sure that's how it's come off just because of this right now. Um, but I, I like they're business like they want to sell their product to both sides or and PC as well, and like they just want to get their stuff out there. I think this just P- PS or like uh, sorry Sony has just I think made such a push. To emphasize uh, the Unreal Engine on this, that it they want to make it seem like they have picked a side, 
this is the game system that this is actually going to stay with. They want to seem like, basically just hype it up right now as much as they can. Yeah. Uh, and we're talking about tempered expectations, and there's all this great stuff coming out. And you have a point that um, they're trying to get this stuff out because it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. And um, Xbox had a had a live event last week where they showed a bunch of games off and they were like Assassin's Creed gameplay and it didn't it didn't really show gameplay um it was just hyped up beyond expectation whereas PlayStation and Epic Games were just like okay here you go there was no expectations blown out of proportion or no no expectations set in the beginning of it which is why when this event happened this week it was amazing and the Xbox event last week was kind of like uh like it was just it didn't it left people feeling kind of underwhelmed mm-hmm. so uh i guess that goes to my question here and just before we get to that ghost of tsushima is came out on thursday if anybody really likes assassin's creed games or any games styled in like feudal japan just imagine being a samurai in assassin's creed but in a better optimized system a very open world not as linear as the assassin creeds but you just the play style is is amazing you could be stealthy you could be it it kind of looks like dark souls a little bit where you can counter or jedi fallen order that game um so i'm really i haven't bought a game since jedi fallen order which was november last year and i might actually invest in this game i might buy a new game this year so I look, I'm looking forward to that because it looks uh, breathtaking, goes to Tsushima. But it goes back to, uh, this goes to a question that I had thought of, John, with the Unreal 5 engine and, and the way it's set up with the Mandalorian set, rendering landscapes within minutes, do you think we're heading towards years of technological leaps uh, for animation and games? Be- and, and even for filmmaking at that matter because you can render stuff because these past you know what seven to nine years like things have gotten like clearer but nothing's made big leaps and bounds so i'm just wondering do you think with what we're seeing in this technology space for the next gen of video games and even for what disney has done are we going to see that leap finally take place i think that this is a major milestone in uh, the t- the, in the technology that they've used for, like you said, like the Mandalorian and with games, um, I think that everyone is going to try and rush to catch up and utilize this technology and incorporate it into their own experiences and their own content. Um, but I think that basically this is just going to help redirect the funds of four projects to better wisely use them. Um, like we said, like and, and focusing on the story and the production value of things that you can control outside of just rendering um, and animate. So I, I think as far as like the games go, I think there's a certain point to where visually it doesn't matter how much better it looks because our eyes can only perceive certain a certain quality of things. Um, so from there, we're going to have to redirect into other um, other avenues to to improve on. Um, and I think that this will definitely be utilized with movies, especially to to create beautiful landscapes and scenery that they don't have to go necessarily on location to shoot, or that they have to shoot completely around a green screen because it can be rendered with the correct lighting um, to where actors can see what's going on around them and they can 
basically improve their entire performance because they feel like they're immersed in the in the world. Um, but I think that the next I think the next logical step for games specifically is going to be to improve a social and more augmented reality driven experience. Um, because I think VR still has a long way to go because of the, the clunky headsets that we have to wear and it, it gets a lot of people motion sick. And I think until they tweak that to where it's more um, accessible for the everyday man and cheap enough and maybe streamlined into an existing um, console, like if Xbox or if PS or PlayStation were to incorporate that into their own game so people wouldn't have to buy a completely new setup, I think it would be more appealing. Um, but it's just, it's not viable, I think, financially for uh, the everyday person. Um, You're but, saying VR and AR aren't yet. So right. I, I think, not yet, but I think that out of the two, AR is more um, more likely to be the next candidate for this because you can augment your reality without having to um, incorporate this giant clunky like headset or a lot of... Uh, a lot of equipment like Pokemon Go is able to utilize it beautifully uh, just by an app on your phone where you experience and you interact with the world around you just by an additional layer being shown on your on your phone um, so I, I think with that it's going to be a more social experience um, at least in the next steps of AR I think that it it needs to be something that brings people together and kind of brings people out of the soul um or sorry the, the solo gaming experience um like imagine if you were to play fallen order and you even if it was like you sitting in your room but if the people like if it was like a multiplayer game and the people around you you knew were your friends actually interacting with the game in real time with you and it was uh maybe like an add-on to uh to the playstation where you had something in your hand that acted like a lightsaber um I feel like that social experience would really draw a lot more people in. Um, or even if it was um, something that you, I don't know, some kind of, like, I don't well, it, it sounds like you're looking for this technology to not be utilized so much on a graphical frontier for games to get better, but a graphical frontier for specifically VR and AR um, because they are severely lacking. But this type of technology would revitalize it and be the next new thing if that's if i'm interpreting that right yeah i mean i i think that the unreal engine and that type of um technology would be able to be used I don't, and maybe even just to drive down cost for games so where they can make more profits to then invest in ar and vr to improve that technology um but i i, I think that vr has got a long way to go before it's viable in the in almost every household like um, like the Xboxes. Um, AR, I think, is more accessible because you're just adding a layer to an existing reality. You're not creating an entirely new environment, necessarily. Um, you're just enhancing what's already there. And I think that to do that well and on a, on a larger scale, I think, it could, I think it should be done in a much more social way that you interact with people around you in real time, which... The Unreal Engine would be able to help with because it can it can generate these um, these environments and sets in a much much more efficient and quick way. Yeah, I think I think I see I see your point with this, and um, 
you know, I don't think company, I don't, uh, you know, I would have to disagree that companies would reinvest in something like VR, you know, if they put out a game and it does really well. I see them, I see, I see this as making a good thing for the industry itself as far as like the gaming industry where an animator has, you know, can do this in half the time, which is going to make their lives easier. It's going to cut down costs. I do agree with you there. Uh, but the, it goes down to, you know, profit margins might increase because less time is spent on game development. And, you know, maybe the games improve because of that. You know, uh, I, I, I want it to be what you said, where it does transfer to VR, but I see these technological uh, advancements really, really just being a quality of life for development, and I see it having a bigger impact on, you know, now that we have extra time, what are we going to add to our game? You mm -hmm. know, I don't see it so much as reinvesting in VR and AR, although I hope the technology is used to to bring those out of the dark, out of the, the dark ages, which is just their beginning time. That is the starter years of VR. I, I really want to see it explode, but the other thing that I'm excited about is, you know, what is this going to do for movies? And we discussed that a little bit. I think that the next the next few years, because of this graphical efficiency is what I'll call it, you know, things are going to get better. You know, what we're going to... Uh, but I, I think on a bigger scale. I, I think this is, this is kind of groundbreaking because development of video games used to be kind of simple. It's like, oh, you know, I'm just going to add a few polygons and i'll make this character now it's like you've got to add polygons on polygons on polygons just to make a stupid rock you know <laughs> as as graphics have increased over time you've got to add more layers and this is finally something where we see it decreases the time to make something so i'm more excited for that you know and, and that's where i see where the leap is going hopefully with this groundbreaking thing that we see it's gonna really revamp the existing technology and what it can do. I don't say, I think we're going to get new technology. I think we're just going to optimize everything and it's going to be leaps and bounds. So like things we can imagine. Well, then let me ask you this. So do you think that we're like with some games where it takes three to five years to get a fully developed um, sequel to let's say like Halo or the next Final Fantasy game or Kingdom Hearts um, where, <laughs> where there's so much time being spent on creating those uh well over time do you think that this is going to cut it down to where maybe a game like that can be pushed out every one to two years hmm i mean i'm not a game developer but you know it does you know the the life cycle of a game a triple a game at that takes you know for maybe four to five four four to six years sometimes mm -hmm. and those are the really really good ones not like call of duty because they reuse assets all the time yeah but when you're talking about a new ip something like uh horizon zero or horizon zero dawn the game that came out for playstation uh spider-man that came out on playstation uh god of war uh these are games that aren't reusing old assets they're kind they're they're making new games the cycle for those four years, I could see it decrease by another year, or maybe maybe if it's a six-year game, it decreases by maybe two years. But that's huge. That's that's a big amount of time because at the end of at the end of development, you started you got to get started again into marketing, 
and all of this. Uh, there's just there's so much testing you have to do, and to take time off the development, which is still for the game to be thought of as an idea to make it to the shelves, is still a long time. It's still remarkable. We don't have things like this. Games take longer and longer now, you mm-hmm. know. So I think this is a huge win. I think this is just in general, just a, 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 I think it's going to help with the development cycle. I don't see it taking away half for the, for the development cycle, but for the physical like animations and stuff, it will reduce it that amount of time, which is going to help the production teams significantly. And hopefully, hopefully the industry can give their animators some benefits because they are worked <laughs> to death with crunch. So so you think it's more of a tool to help the quality of the game increase without exponentially increasing the time it takes to develop the game. Yeah, there's a correlation that the amount of time needed to make a game is going to be significantly reduced. Okay. Um, that that's just, you know, you ask an animator, "Hey, you know, you if you if you have to if you have to build a character and you have to put armor on him, and some different animator is building the armor, and you're waiting for that to be done, but another animator is waiting on you to put the character in, a, in, a, in another environment. Like, this is going to reduce all that time between animator to animator to animator to be more fluid, and that's just that's huge. I, 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 that's what I perceive. You know, I'm no expert on this, but after hearing a lot of experts talk about it um, and game developers actually being excited... I think the Unreal Engine is uh, is the Unreal Five engine is going to make leaps and bounds for development studios, and I really like that. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely a very positive uh, step forward to see, and I'm excited to see how it's going to affect these developments and the progression of games and movies over the next few years. Oh heck yeah! Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, John, is there anything you're watching? Yeah, so uh, Jill and I have just started picking back up on a Community. Um, it's Ooh. on Netflix now, and she had never seen it before. And it, it's been probably six or seven years since I've seen it. It's been quite a while. Um, but going back through and, and watching all that, and it, man, it still holds up. Like It's a lot like The Office in that there are some jokes that are made that I think if it was done today, uh, a lot of like PC kind of PC culture stuff wouldn't allow it to be produced. But hmm. I think it worked well in his time, and I think because of that lens, it's held up really well. And people just it just understand like you know what Pierce is kind of a douche. That's just who he is, and he's a little racist. But like I think people are much more. <laughs> that's Joe McHale's character, right? No, no, no. That's um that's Chevy Chase's character. Oh gosh, yes. Well. I knew he was a. I knew the the character. Well, Chevy Chase. People say he is a douche, a douche just in general. But um, the character I have seen him interact with people. I'm like, that's a little odd. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a little little different. <laughs> um, but Abed is probably my favorite character and always will be. And it's just oh man, it's so it's still so good. And we're only in season two right now, but I'm excited to keep it going. Nice. Yeah, man. But what are you watching? What are you doing? Um. Well, I I need to watch the new Mandalorian gallery uh, episode that came out today. I'm gonna, or I don't know if it came out today. I 
it came out and I need to watch it. And I am playing Skyrim right now. I've never played, I've played Skyrim before many, many, many times, but I've never played with mods on. And so I'm doing a playthrough with mods. It's a little bit, and I've made it a little bit harder. And I thought I would be really bored. I haven't found a game to play this past two weeks and have been tortured by that fact. But I have now, and I'm like, I'm actually having fun with the game. And I'm really excited. Uh, I'm working through the Dawn Guard right now. I still haven't done the main quest because I like leaving that for last. So I seem like an overpowered god against the main boss. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually generally having fun. And I don't know what I'm going to do after that. You know, maybe pick up Pokemon or something. I don't know. I haven't been playing my Switch that much. I'm telling you, man, if you get Breath of the Wild, you'll pick it back up. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't. I might pick something like that up. I'm really excited for Ghost of Tsushima to come out uh, in July. Okay. In July. I'm really excited for that to come out. And then the other game. I Instead of picking up Breath of the Wild, I might pick up Animal Crossing. Oh, okay. Because it's just all over the place. <laughs> and seeing the things that people are doing, it's like. I don't know. If there is. If there's an interior design in all of us, it's speaking to that one right now for me. Oh, yeah. No, man, it, it's crazy just like with the level of memes that people have been pumping out with that game and just how universally loved it is. But I I don't know that I'm ever going to get into it, but it's so, it's so much fun for me seeing the joy that it brings to other people. I bet you Jill would get into it. I don't know, man. Maybe, but I you would have to hold her attention for consistently for a long time and i don't know if she i think it could i mean she's never committed that much to a game like we've gotten mario kart and mario party and we've played together a bit but i don't know if long term it would i don't know if it would work we'll see if if any game was to do it i think that one might yeah there's um there's a bunch of things of like parents like playing switches because of how good animal crossing is nice well yeah it's it's one of those games, I guess. It's one of those generational games, and we ain't playing. Anyways. Nope. <laughs> but that's it for this week on the Summit Up podcast. Uh, we'll be with you next week as well. And, uh, yeah, stay safe out there, everyone. Uh, watch out for those murder hornets and that virus thing that we've been going through. And, yeah, you got anything, John? Bye. Okay, we'll go with that. Bye. Bye.